Yes, James. See, it comes back to decisions, right? James didn't decide in advance. <laughs> anyway, we'll, leave, we'll let that go. Um, I've already got into him enough today about being proud. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so where are we? That's right, decisions. Um, how, how to have fewer regrets and a, big, and a better future. That's what this is, next half an hour is going to be about. How to have fewer regrets um, and a better future. Because I said that the decisions you make have determined, determined your future. But that's actually not true completely. What's actually true is the questions you ask. Because the decisions you make are as a result of the questions you ask. Right? So the question is not, are you making good decisions? The question is, are you asking good questions? That's the, that, that's, that's the issue. Because if you ask the right question, you'll get the right answer. I'm going to give you a template on how to make a decision. I'm going to give you five questions. I'm going to uh, zip through them as quick as I can. We could spend all day on this. Um, these are not original to me, okay? So don't go home and think, gee, that guy's a genius. Uh, <laughs> these are not my questions. Let me just put that out there, right? The rocks were my rocks, right? But these are not my questions. Uh, I have used them, and they have helped me immensely. So I just feel that I have the, the right to tell you them, all right, uh, because I don't want to have an advantage that I've picked up that I can't pass on. So I'm not wanting you to think that these are my questions, they're not my questions. Um, but having said that, I have used them and I've used them extensively and I've seen how they work. So I do think I have an authority to share them. Um, Jesus took questions incredibly seriously. You, you might be familiar with the John 9 three situation where he's um, walking along with his, his disciples and the disciples say, this guy here, he's blind, you know, was it him who sinned or his parents sinned? And Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. Um, and then he leads them into how to make the right decision. Or should I say, he leads them to how to ask the wise question. Now, you have a decision-making template in your head right now. Most of you probably aren't even aware of it, but you have it. For most of us, it is derived by default rather than design. In other words, you've just described it over years. You've picked it up. You caught it. It was never taught. It was taught. And uh, you sort of, you know, when you want to do something, you probably ask questions like this. Will I get away with it? Uh, <laughs> Uh, if I do that, will it make me happy? <laughs> Jesus wants me to be happy. <laughs> I had a woman say that to me once, you know, I'm leaving my husband. I just want to be happy. <laughs> Surely Jesus wants me to be happy. And, uh, and, and these questions that we ask are derived at simply by what we've picked up from around us rather than a template that is tried and true and biblical, we go, you know, this is how I'm going to make decisions. So this is a bold claim. But I'm saying to you, if you cognitively ask, actively answer, and then implement the answers to the questions that I'm about to give you, I guarantee you that you'll have fewer regrets and a better future. Guarantee it. Money back guarantee. You'll have fewer regrets. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what was I thinking? 
but I did that. If you've not asked the question about yourself, you've asked it about someone else, right? Particularly if you're a parent, what were they thinking? I don't know, they're your kid, they will take after your side of the family. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> um, and the truth of the matter is, Jeremiah 79 says that the heart is deceitfully above, deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah chooses these adjectives very carefully here. He doesn't say that the heart is dishonest. Because if the heart was dishonest, you know, you can deal with dishonest people. You can't deal with deceitful people because they're a mixture of truth and lies. And you think they're on your side and deceitful people come into your world and then destroy it. Well, Jeremiah is pointing to your own heart and saying, it's deceitful. It lets you think that it's on your side and in the end, it trips you up. So, we need these incredibly, I, I believe, in, in incredibly um, important questions as a template to put through the decisions of your life. The first one is this, why am I doing this really? Have you ever asked the question, why am I doing this really? I mean, look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, why am I doing this really? What's the motivation here? All right, this is the, motivated, the motivation question. Why am I motivated to do this? Where is this coming from? Because we all have a tendency to um, make ourselves look altruistic and, you know, and honorable and righteous and all of our decisions, you know, are for the benefit of others and, uh, and coming from a, a high moral stand. But that's seldom the truth. <laughs> and it doesn't matter, right? There is something worse. I mean, this is like revelation. There's something worse than moving through your life and feeling bad about yourself and that's moving through your life deceived about yourself <laughs> right there's something worse than feeling bad about oh i feel so bad oh i don't feel so bad no feel bad if you need to feel bad <laughs> there's something worse than feeling bad and that's being deceived so what i'm saying is this look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself what is the motive here? Why am I doing this really? And be as honest with yourself as you can. And you don't even have to tell anybody. You don't even have to change it. Just be aware of it. That's all I'm saying. Just be aware of your motives. You don't have to go out and tell everybody, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really doing this for my own, you know, better my own nest. You know, you don't have to go out and articulate that necessarily to anybody. But um, uh, at least have some sense of personal awareness. Have some sense that I am personally aware. The more you do that, the more you'll have an understanding of who you are. And that's going to assist you in life incredibly. Because there are so many people in life who cannot see <laughs> the damage of the decisions that they're doing. They cannot see the effect that they have on the room. They cannot understand what's going on as a result of them. They are personally blind, right? And I think at some point they fooled themselves that I am this high-minded, altruistic, righteous person when I'm really not. <laughs> and that's okay. Right? I'm not saying, look, you know, someone came to me once and they said to me, you know, look, I, uh, the more I go in Jesus, the more sin I'm dealing with. I said, that's fantastic. That's great. 
The very fact that you recognize something in you is not right is something to rejoice about. Because most of the world marinates, you know, their juices, their own self-righteousness to the so self-deceived they destroy themselves in the world. Do you get that? <laughs> they marinate in the juices of their own self-righteousness <laughs> until they have no concept of who they are in the world. So get out of that, look yourself in the eye and ask yourself, why am I doing this really? And be honest with yourself about yourself because know that your heart is deceitful to you. And um, you have to climb up and get over that. The second question is this, and this is a powerful question. What story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Know this about your life. Let let me read to you from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 22.3. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and pay the penalty. The prudent understand that all life is connected. That that you've heard things like this, you know, what goes on the road stays on the road, or what, you know, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas or whatever. That's rubbish. What's happening today is another line, another sentence of your life. But your life is one complete arc, story arc from beginning to end. And you want that story to be one you can tell your grandkids with honor and pride. What do I want the story of my life to tell? And understand this. (laughs) That's it. Write that down. That's very good. (laughs) Siri. Thank you, Siri. Uh, God knows what story Siri's life is going to tell, all right? (laughs) But you see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes I reckon, here's a thought for you, sometimes I reckon that we in the Christian church make a mess of this. We say things like, you know, come to Jesus and all your past will be forgotten about. It will be cleansed and doesn't exist anymore. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. You sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption, right? Jesus will forgive you and you'll still go to heaven, sure. But you'll deal with that for the rest of your days. You know, I was talking to a guy once and he was in his mid-early 20s and he, he looked around the church and he couldn't find any babes that he wanted to hang out with. So he said, I want to get married to a hot babe. I'm going to go and find myself one. Basically, that was paraphrased, but that's what he meant. <laughs> Anyway, so he goes off and he goes to nightclubs, et cetera, and so forth, and he gets his heart broken and all kinds of, you know, damage happens to him. This, and he comes back to church in his sort of early, mid-30s. True story, finds a girl who was there the whole time and marries her. But that's another, that's, that's beside the point. The point I'm making is this. I actually thought he was, was going to be my nephew, but right? I actually, I saw the hand of God upon his life. I thought this guy's got a real future, right? He came back in his 30s and all that was gone. You can't have your 20s back, sorry. He blew his 20s, and the 20s would have set him up for his 30s and 40s and so forth. He blew it, mate. (laughs) Now, did God forgive him of his sin? Yeah, yeah, he did. Is he going to heaven? No doubt. Is he still married to that girl today? Yes, he is. They've got kids. They've had a great life. God bless them. God bless them, and God is blessing them, right? But it's not what it could have been. I know that because I saw what God had placed in his heart, and he just got tempted and, you know, whatever. 
Um, and he lost, the point I'm saying is he lost his 20s and he couldn't get them back. Don't listen to the lie that says God's going to forgive you anyway, so just do it, then ask God's forgiveness and his blood will wash it and you can just move on. Life doesn't work like this. All of life is interconnected and it tells the one big story. So the question is, what story do I want to tell? I don't want to be a liar for life. I don't want to have to lie about things because I'm covering up parts of my life that I don't want to tell my grandkids or I don't want you know, that story to seep out. What story do I want to tell? How many know that this is so important? Because probably the most powerful thing you're ever going to do in your life, right? The most important thing you're ever going to do in your life is influence somebody. And you know what will help you influence people? The decisions that you make. You make wise decisions, your life goes up, people lean in. You make stupid decisions, people lean out. And your life takes a different trajectory. That's how important right, making the right decision is. It's not just about your life and not just about where it's going to take you. It's about the level of influence you have on others. And the greatest thing you'll ever do is not establish some church. It's not build some great mission or whatever. The greatest thing you're ever going to do is influence somebody. And your capacity to influence people is reflected in the decisions, the quality of decisions you make. You know that. You know who influences you, right? The people that have made wise choices. You go, I want to lean into them. I want them to influence me. Well, but guess what? That will happen to you. You make wise decisions, people will lean into you. I want, to I want you to influence them. This is why this is so very, very important. Probably more important than anything else that you'll ever do. Make wise decisions because then you'll be able to influence people. What story do I want to tell? Um, number three, number three. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension, right? Um, scripture here, uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, we are called to peace. And you, you know what I mean, don't you? You know when you've lost your peace. You know when there's a tension there. Is there a tension in this decision? I'm making this decision. We're going this way. I'm just going to quiet my spirit. I'm just going to uh, take all of the, you know, all of the, the calculus out of my head, all, all of the, uh, the information out of my head, and I'm just going to try to be a blank vessel before God and then lean into my spirit and say, is there anything there? Is there a tension there? Is there something there that I need to lean into, pay attention to, examine. Um, when I was a kid, there was a staying in our church, and if in doubt, throw it out. Uh, I don't believe that, because sometimes the tension in you is your own fear. Sometimes. Uh, I, I, I can remember one of the first times that we were going to make a decision to buy an investment property, and I was in my early 20s, and um, we, we bought the house, our first house in church, but we were just 21. We just got married, you know, and and... God had done this great thing. We're going to buy this investment property. We're at 24. And, um, and I, I was a big step of faith then, you know. And I said to the pastor, I said, I'm not doing it because it will t distract me from what God wants to do with me. And he thought that was wonderful. It was a load of baloney. Uh, I guised my fear in spiritual rhubarb, and everybody around me bought it. I thought, wow, everyone's so easy to see. This is wonderful. They all think I'm great. <laughs> And, uh, and really, the, the check inside of me, the tension inside of me, wasn't the Holy Spirit saying, don't do it. Ten years later, I think, oh, man, I don't know I've done that. 
anything there. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the tension inside me was my own inability, the paralysis to, to make a decision. You know, I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't take the leap. I was just, per- uh, I, was, I was stuck because of fear. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, that a tension inside of you is necessarily a reason to stop. I'm saying that a tension inside of you is, is a reason to pause and say, okay, is this God? Right? I might ring a friend and say, is this God? What do you think? Is, this, is, there, a, is there a tension in this that deserves me to, to drill down and ask some more questions? Why am I doing this really? What's my motive? Um, what story do I want to tell? How does, this, how does this work out in the arc of my life? Because every chapter of your life is part of a book, folks. I mean, when you're at high school, you thought, you know, in high school, that's just a whole book in itself, right? <laughs> Whatever that book, we'll put that on the shelf, we'll move on over here, and it'll be a new book. But that, now that's not true. Now your high school was like a paragraph of the whole story. And there'll come a time when w- what you're doing right now is a paragraph of the whole story. But it will be a paragraph. Make sure that it's leading in the right direction. What story do you want to tell? And there's, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Question number four. Question number four. What is the wise thing to do? What does wisdom require? What's the wise? Uh, th- this is the maturity question, right? No, that's not what's legal because it might be legal, <laughs> but it's not wise. It's not what's ethical because it might even be ethical. And still not wise. The question is, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? There you go, I just expanded it. In part, because let me tell you why that expansion is so important. In light of my past, my present, and my future, what does wisdom demand of me? So let's just say I'm wanting to go into... um, I feel a call of God to pastor a church or something like this. Uh, and then, then that's going to have a bearing on who I hang out with. That's going to have a bearing on who I might date and, go, you know, because they want to have a call of God on them as well. It's not that that girl's, rock, you know, um, bad. It's that, well, in, in light of where I want to go, do we have the same calling? Well, it's not wise. It's not going to be wise to date that person in light of where you're going, in light of your future hopes and dreams. In light of your current circumstances, how many know that that it's not it's it's it might be wise for a sixty-year-old bloke to do something that a twenty-year-old bloke shouldn't do, or vice versa. <laughs> a twenty-year-old might be wise for them to do, it, but not wise because it's not wrong, not unethical, not immoral, but just not wise, because your current circumstances, wisdom doesn't live in a vacuum, right? Wisdom lives in application, and in light of where I'm at right now and where I want to go, and also in light of where I've been. What does wisdom require? Uh, we had a guy in our church who, who was an alcoholic, and he couldn't even, he, he wouldn't trust himself to have sherry in the, you know, the, the, the Christmas pudding because of the trouble he had with alcohol. Now, is it immoral, wrong to put sherry in a Christmas pudding? Well, when he came to our place for Christmas lunch, my wife wouldn't do it. Right? Why? Because of where he'd been. It wasn't wise wasn't immoral, wasn't wrong, wasn't unrighteous, just wasn't wise. You see how important it is to, you see how wisdom takes the broad view? In light of what it's, where I've been, in light of where I am, and in light of where I'm going, what is wisdom? What does, what's the wise thing to do? 
So what's my motive? Why am I doing this really? How does this fit into my story arc? Is this something that I want in my novel, the story of my life? Um, is, this, uh, is there a tension here? Is this, you know, do I feel the peace of God in this? And is this wise? Does this just pass the, 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 the test of wisdom? Um, wisdom built, Proverbs 24.3, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. By wisdom a life is built. And you know most people who destroy their lives, destroy their life not by making an a, 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 um, immoral decision, although they might eventually do something immoral, but not, but what, the issue never starts with immorality. The issue never starts with illegality. It always starts with unwise. Always. It's always an unwise decision. And you could argue, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, other people do it. You know, you're just a legalist. <laughs> None of that's relevant. Um, the, the, you know, the, the legalist versus grace, not, not, not an issue here. The question is what's wise? It's, it's not what's legal. It's what's wise in your life. And what happens is you make an unwise decision and an unwise decision and an unwise decision and an unwise decision. And then you get over here to an unethical decision. Then you finish over here in a decision that just wrecks you. And then you ask yourself this. You ask yourself, what were they thinking? <laughs> they were so smart. and They did such stupid stuff. How could that happen? The answer is the lack of wisdom back here. Not the lack of morality here or not the lack of illegality or whatever. It was the lack of wisdom in light of my past experience, my present situation, and my future hopes and dreams. What does wisdom say to me? Listen to the voice of wisdom. And the fifth, because five is the number of grace. We had five rocks, and now we have five crosses. Um. As I said, I, I didn't come up with these, so this is, these were thrust upon me. Um, this is great question. This is different to the other questions because the other questions all have a return to them. Wisdom builds a house, has a return. What do I want the arc of my sh the story of my the story arc of my life to tell? It has a return. It's a story I can tell. This question doesn't really have a return to it, but it's possibly the most important of all the five questions. And fifth. What does love require? What does love require? Love is a verb. It always requires something from us. And when I'm in a relationship with somebody and it's, it's not going well, it's not, you know, not, not, things are not happening as I kind of envisaged or expected, I've got to somehow ask myself this question, okay, how does love respond here? How does love, what would love look like if the response to this circumstance was love what would that look like try to describe that write that down if you wrote that down in a vacuum right not you personally but you know just if, if someone came to you and asked you and, and painted the scenario and said to you okay what does love look like in response to that situation and you wrote that down nine times out of ten you've just written down a, 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 a progress uh, plan a way forward because Paul said this, profoundly so, in Galatians 5 and 6. He says this, Galatians 5 and 6, five, chapter 5, verse 6. The only thing that counts, isn't that amazing? 
Paul wrote an awful lot of things, but he said there's only one thing that counts. You want to know what that is, wouldn't you? Because the Apostle Paul and all of his wisdom said there's only one thing that counts. Shouldn't we have that inscribed on the fleshy tablets of our heart? And shouldn't we be able to go, if someone's coming to say, what's the only thing that matters? Uh, 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 Jesus? <laughs> what's the answer? I, I'm not sure. We should know this because Paul said it. There's only one. Look it up for yourself. Galatians 5, 6. Only one thing that counts. And here it is. Faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love is the only thing that matters, according to the Apostle Paul. That makes this question so complicated, doesn't it? What does love require? Because if it's love, it'll, it'll never inevitably have a faith aspect to it. <laughs> it'll inevitably be a cost to it. Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, defines love as work. He says all love is work. Not all work is love, but all love is work. The extension of oneself for the nurture of somebody else. That's how he defines love. You have to extend yourself to nurture someone else. Scott Peck, the, the book, uh, Road Less Traveled. Um, and and, I, and I, I think that's a pretty fair definition, by the way, of love. The extension of oneself for the nurture uh, of somebody else. Uh, and because it, it, it has, has with it a sense of doing. Love is a verb. It's, I don't feel love. I do love. Uh, love is not something I feel. Love is something I do to you. And so what? Understanding that love is doing, there is an action here. The question is, what does that behavior look like? Can you describe that behavior to me? What does love require? So, um, by way of, of re recap, why am I doing this? Really? What's the story? What story do I want my life to tell? Is there a tension in this? Is God is God here? You know, is, is he putting any roadblocks? Is there a wide open door of opportunity, but his verses are many? In other words, you know, yes, it is God, but you've got to work through that. That's that's just your own fear. Or no, God's blocked you and you're not to go there, you're to go here. Is there is there something in my heart from God stopping me here? Is there a tension that deserves is there a tension that deserves my attention? What is the wise thing to do? And what does love require? Um, you know, if you were to walk into a store down the road here and a salesman was to say to you the very thing that your heart says, you'd run them, run them off. If, if, the sales, if you were to walk into a, you know, a ladies walk into a dress store or, or you know, guys, you know, you find yourself in the, um, um, the electrical department. <laughs> Of, of, of Harvey Norman or something. Oh, wow, look at that, look at that. If a salesman had come over to you and said, you like that? You would have go, yeah, but, you know, I haven't spoken to my wife about buying it. And if he was to say, or she was to say, hey, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> Just buy it. Don't tell your spouse. What would you do? You'd say, excuse me, I'm disgusted, and walk out. <laughs> but your own heart's told you that. And you've listened. <laughs> if you were to walk in, gentlemen, if you're in that electrical department at Harvard or whatever, and, and the, the salesman's to come over, and they're looking at this, you know, the latest iPhone or whatever it is, and, and he or he said, hey, just, just upgrade, just, you know, the one you've got now is fine, but hey, nothing like the new one. Just, just upgrade the old one for no other reason but the fact that you deserve the new one. If he said that to you, you'd probably go, oh, it's rubbish. There's nothing wrong with the one. 
but your heart says it. And you go, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do deserve this. I can just upgrade. No problems. No problems. What you've got to understand, if you were to take your heart and superimpose it onto somebody, a different person, most of us would think we'd be at enmity with that person, right? <laughs> we'd be thinking, wow, that person, get away from me. Get away. So, so, so that's why these questions are so very important. Because the heart is deceitful and corrupt. And you have got regrets in your life because you've made stupid decisions. We all have. And, and I'm not saying that this is a cure-all for that. What I am saying is that if you want less of that in your future and you want more of the good stuff, then next time you're faced with a decision, sit down and ask yourself, what does love require? Write it out. What would wisdom do? God, where are you in this? How does this tell the arc of my story? Okay, so what, what is my motive now in doing this? And just be aware of it. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, you have to be Mother Teresa because you're probably not. I'm not. But at least be aware of where you're at on, on that, that sort of journey. And then go and make that decision. And I suggest you'll have a bigger, brighter, more blessed life. More importantly than that, the influence of your life will go further and farther, further and higher than you ever thought possible. God bless you. Thanks for your time. Come on. Yeah. I just think that I, uh, in the first 